0: (laughs) Oh. Fans, and welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something. It's another episode for the Meltzer Five Star Project, which is where myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co host Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co host
1: Simon Cross
0: discuss a match that Dave Meltzer has rated five stars or higher in his Wrestling Observer newsletter. And we've been hit with a double clothesline of five star matches in the latest edition of the newsletter. We start off with the first one that actually took place more than a week ago Simon. What is the match we're talking about today?
1: We're talking about a match that took place at night one of Royal Quest 2, namely on October the 1st. So we are leaping back to the start of the month between the defending champions, FTR, and the challengers, Aussie Open, for the IWGP Tag Team Championships.
0: Let's talk about the quirks of our modern-day world, especially given that for the last couple of years we haven't been able to do much in the way of travelling, this match took place in the UK between an American team and an Australian team for a Japanese wrestling promotion's championships.
1: Yay for multiculturalism!
0: Yay globalism! I knew our globalist agenda of us at the left will finally pay off. (laughs) Anyway, let's tuck into some tofu and talk about this match. You couldn't help yourself, could you? But there are braver men than us taking part in this match today. Cheeky little twofer. And that's, that includes red shoes. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking as well, uh, a couple of things with this. I was wondering, is this the first IWGP tag team title match to get five stars? And it's not, but I think it might be only the second. Do you remember what the first one was? Was it Furness and No, that was for the All Japan, All Asia tag team titles.
1: Uh, then I am struggling here.
0: It was Kijimuto and Shiro Koshinaka challenging Akira Maida and Nobuhiko Takada. Oh,
1: God. Yeah, no wonder I don't remember. Jesus.
0: (laughs) So this is 35 years later, and one of the reasons for that being is that New Japan has never put that much weight behind their tag team divisions. No. There are very few in the way of Permanent tag teams that have ever really operated in New Japan. And by that, I mean two wrestlers that are essentially always tagging together. It's not just a collection of two singles wrestlers from a shared faction or friends or whatever.
1: Which forms the overwhelming bulk of the actual tag matches that take place.
0: Yeah. There, there are some exceptions. In more recent years, there's obviously been G.O.D. Tenkoji were probably the most successful Tag team in New Japan's history, which is Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima. Mm. But even then, it was just kind of just long time friends. And Chono had a long run with Hiroyoshi Tenzan as tag champs as well. And
1: yeah, because they mentioned that in the pre match package, and they throw in Tanahashi and uh, Nakamura as well as a team to mention.
0: Yeah. They only had one reign as tag champs. But I think that was significant, the fact that when FTR, because they're, you know, encyclopedias of wrestling. I don't know what that means. And they, um, even then, they were kind of struggling to come up with great IWGP tag team champions, going for two great singles wrestlers who had one reign as tag champs early on in their careers. But that that's just been the way it's been in Japan for the most part. Obviously, you had Rapongi 3K. They had a long run. I guess in the junior tag divisions maybe it's a more frequent thing perhaps yeah yeah. Uh, the young bucks obviously but that's the thing like regular tag teams is definitely much more of a western tradition I suppose and that's what they mention in commentary that's the whole point of FTR is this throwback and the interesting thing about the Aussie Open team is that they were just put together because they were both in the British wrestling scene and they were the two Aussies
1: (laughs) you're Australian you're like him
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this match was being touted as the two best... I think they say, like, outside of them and the young, the Briscoe brothers are the three best tag teams in wrestling right now. I suppose because the Young Bucks are on a enforced sabbatical. Maybe you can argue that's a valid case.
1: <sighs> we're, well, we'll try and stay clear of that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Aussie Open going into this match, as well as NJPW Strong Tag Team Champions. I had wondered if they were going to try and make it a unification match and add another belt to FDR's waists because they didn't bother bringing the A tag belts with them to the UK for some reason. Yeah, I
1: wondered that. Maybe they're not allowed to leave North America. Maybe that's
0: a deal they've got. Maybe. Or, or maybe it was just like, I have to pay how much for that much luggage? <laughs> Screw it.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and soon they, well, who knows, soon they might be hauling around even more depending on how the booking goes.
0: I get the sense that they're going to start dropping belts before they start winning them yeah given that they seem to be ramping up ring of honor again i get the sense that they always plan to put the briscoes back over them for the tag belts at some point if
1: the rumblings are to be believed and we are close to a tv deal for ring of honor without wanting to fantasy book too much if all of that plays out i imagine that final battle come december time they lose those ring of honor belts but we're speculating about the future
0: yeah, and I assumed as well that something's happening when they put the belt on Jericho. I was mm. like, okay, that's an in, that's a sign of intention there. Let's get to the match itself. And again, it's like one of those dream scenarios. The two teams that have built up such a reputation opposite uh, in opposite parts of the world coming up to a dream match environment. And that's what they play up from the start with the face off at the belts. It was also it, was a, it was an odd one as well because there was next to no cheating It was a real... And Aussie Open was sort of the home team because they were a British creation. So it was almost like... It was a war of equals, essentially. They were the home
1: team, but it's very much... It's in the 50-50 region in terms of the chanting. Which is good.
0: Despite Dax Harwood's protestations later on, they are still one of the most overacts in wrestling because of the year that they've been having. Yes, In mostly AEW, but... In other areas, yeah, such as Ring of Honor and now New Japan. I was thinking as well, like the the five star matches they've had so far have not been technically in AEW, have they? It was two Ring of Honor matches and one New Japan match.
1: Yeah, they came very very close, didn't they, with the uh, Young Bucks one? Just because yeah. you briefly touched on it already, there is a line of Orwellian sort of doublespeak, which from Chris Carlton uh, halfway through this. We try and keep FTR, they're trying uh, Tony Khan tries to hold uh, FTR back and try and keep them within his promotion, you know, because he, he's trying to protect one of the hot, hottest acts he's had. And I'm like, that doesn't really correlate with how they
0: feel. Yeah. I'm starting to get whiffs of some of the worst instincts of Matt Stryker now when I hear Chris Carton on commentary. And you know, Simon, coming from me, that's... Uh... That
1: is a damning indictment.
0: Well, you're a smart guy but you're trying to use your smarts to come up with really unusual hot takes or observations or noticing patterns that weren't there in the first place or just trying to show off how clever you are at the expense of logic or even the match being presented to you. Yeah. That's what Matt Striker gradually became, but he was also combined with it being produced by Vince Manson. It was like the worst of both worlds, and he became my least favorite commentator alongside he or Michael Cole that there's ever been Mm. in wrestling So, when we talked about FTR, obviously, it's always been about the art of tag team wrestling and the genre, almost, of tag team wrestling, and proving that, like, they're great genre practitioners. And so I wondered if this was going to be down that path of, again, like, tag team homaging. Where where do they go down the ends of the spectrum? Because the one end of the spectrum, I suppose, is, like, their first Young Bucks match, where it's, like, an homage. It's, like, a loving tribute to tag team wrestling with references and everything. Mm. Or, down the other end of the spectrum, which I guess is the side that I prefer, whilst I did enjoy that those two Young Bucks matches, which was the, particularly the first match against the Briscoe Brothers, which is just two tough tag teams having a fight. This was... It wasn't as wild a brawl, although there was actual bleeding in this match, which we'll get to, because I had some issues with that. Uh. But it was like we're both great tag team practitioners, let's have a tag team match, and what I was curious to see was, like, how would they structure it? Would it be that both sides at different times dominate so that there's no heel-face dynamic? And that wasn't the case. We had the opening, which follows a lot of the usual places, which is slow technical wrestling, then one guy gets pissed off, and then it goes into strikes and power moves, and then they do the bit where both sides try to isolate an opponent in the corner... And they fight out of it. Both sides did that at one point. Yeah. But then we did get the traditional in the first half of the match. Cutting the ring off and one person go over a hot tag. And that usually creates the heel face dynamics. And for this one, it was Aussie open in that role. And there was never a time where FTR did their isolating someone in the corner. Doing the classic tag team wrestling, which was always my wonder of like, how does FTR work as babyfaces? Yeah. And they didn't even give them like an extended babyface shine version of that at the start either. So it was a curious structuring that they decided to go with this. And then at the 15 minute mark is when it just kicks off into double team move, hyper action, big spot. Fest.
1: Yeah, the initial like phase of this match, I sort of saw as Aussie Open out in FTR in a way, and like in that sense, because you obviously pointed out your two points of the spectrum for what type of match was this going to be. I'd say it's, in a way, it was a bit of an homage to tactical work in a way that, that it was a love letter, but not a love letter to the actual wrestling moves per se. We did get a hint at one at one point. With the whole power and glory spot.
0: Yeah, but that's almost like, that has become FTR's spot in itself, really, I suppose. Yeah,
1: because now face FTR, it's them showcasing their actual wrestling ability, which they always had. They're using that to overcome the situations. It's not that they don't try and cut off the tag. On this occasion, due to Aussie Open, especially around the outside of the ring, just involving themselves in S-Housery, they had to go to their other tool in the tool belt. Rather than take the shortcuts like they would as a heel, they relied on they their ability and their experience to get out of the situation they're in.
0: Yeah, it was a sense of the def- the challengers being the aggressors in that match, and maybe that's why they were the ones that got to cut the ring in her- half, because they're coming in, not fresher, but they're coming in with more to prove, whereas FTR have been pushing themselves to the limits. yes yeah. And eventually, it's gonna break. You, you know, we assume maybe that moment will be final battle, or it might be them having a surprise loss to the acclaimed. At f- well, not at full gear, I suppose, but maybe somewhere in between there. Uh, it is funny that they said in commentary again, probably something you definitely wouldn't have heard on AEW was that the last time that they lost was to John Moxley and CM Punk <laughs> in February. Which also goes to show, again, where FTR have come from here, because they were essentially supporting characters for MJF for the longest time with the pinnacle first feuding with the Inner Circle. And then subsequent to that, not really. they, they had their stuff with Santana and Ortiz, which obviously led to Cash going on to the, the uh, injury list for a while. Yeah. With that horror freak accidents thing. Then it was just that sudden wave of momentum, especially with the Briscoes match, and just turned them into one of the hot acts in wrestling right now. To the point that New Japan are happy to put their tag belts on them. Again, because the IWGB tag belts don't necessarily mean that much, even within New Japan. They mean more than the Never Six Man tag belts, but that's really not saying <laughs> Or
1: arguably the Never Openweight title, if you're looking at recent news.
0: FTR are facing challenge after challenge after challenge, and it's wearing them down, I suppose, over time. And that's why maybe Aussie Open took a slightly larger portion of the... uh, Well, they they took the cutting the ring in half thing, which was always sort of FTRs when they were starting. When they were the Revival, that was like them bringing it back and doing all those cool spots of stopping the tag coming in, you know, sliding into defensive positions and... Especially pulling the other partner from the apron, which Davis does to Dax multiple times, in the in that portion of the match. So
1: it's a weird mullet that Mark Davis has. It's very interesting hair.
0: The mullet has made such an unusual comeback this yeah. year. I told you there was one day where I went about Birmingham and I saw at least three versions of the mullet on display. Mm. I never thought that was going to make a comeback.
1: Time is a flat circle, but here we are.
0: Because, like I said, Cash Wheeler's got a similar one as well. So yeah, it's very clearly marked out: the first half, the the feeling out and traditional tag team wrestling, and then it's the modern day indie fide everyone hit their big moves. With
1: sprinklings of uh, New Japan tropes, like the strike exchanges towards the end as well.
0: Well, that's just become the trope of all wrestling. You know, you have like, you know, detox plans. Yes. Yeah. I think for a year, it'd be great if all wrestlers would agree to not have Canadian Destroyers, reverse runners, and everyone's knackered elbow forearm exchanges at the lighter portions of the match just do you can't do it for a year and oh and also maybe not all topes suiciders but like you're limited to two topes a show Mm. hmm do other things this match had one of my favorite recent dive sequences actually well it wasn't even a sequence but it was a sequence of moves to the outside where cash moved out of the way of a charging davis Davis goes through the ropes to the outside, Fletcher charges him, he backdrops Fletcher over the top rope, and Fletcher lands on Davis in a dive sequence, and then Cash immediately takes that moment to sprint across, and does the tope, and what I love about that is when the other guys, it's so difficult to time, but you need to do it, it's so right, but when it pays off, it looks so great, that they just have willed them both back up and turned around just at the moment that he's coming, because it's... It's the worst thing in the world where you've got... It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's one of the, the biggest pet peeves in wrestling is when it's dive, dive, dive. This last one's getting it. And everyone's just getting up and... Oh,
1: as someone slowly climbs the turnbuckle at like half speed.
0: Yeah, and there's Adam Cole at the back just lightly forearming someone in front of him and that other person not even selling because they're just making sure they're looking up for when they catch them. Yeah. That's my bugbear of dives in wrestling. And this match, as is so often the case with FTR, they did... They did it right. They did it well. Although there are things in this match that they don't do quite right. Dax needs to time his blade job better. The
1: commentator sort of as well was like, before we saw the blood on camera, they were just like, he's bleeding. It's like, well, I've not seen that yet.
0: (laughs) Well, what it was meant to be, I think, from watching it, is that when you watch it, Dax is bleeding, and then he gets slingshot into the lighting truss. The trusses are taking a battering in the last few... uh... I
1: was about to say, one of the more stable trusses in Britain right now. (laughs) Great minds and all that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What I think he was doing was... The, The best example of this is, if you watch Shawn Michaels in the first Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, he gets catapulted into the cell. And if you watch it, when he's down in the... Down with, like, his shoulders on the floor, whilst the Undertaker's holding his legs up, preparing to slingshot him. He cuts himself, like, super quick. And then the slingshot, the catapult, is so quick, he goes into the cage, and the blood hasn't started to form Mm. yet. But as is often the case, I think, with shorter, stockier people... It's also evident whenever the shorter stocky people try to do the sharpshooter and it never quite looks as good as when Brett does it to the taller guys in wrestling.
1: You need a longer frame, really. You
0: need right a there. longer frame. Or to
1: be Sting and just change its look. And liking. you
0: need to also and you need to be able to move quicker. You know, Dax's whole thing is he can't necessarily run as fast as everyone, but he packs a punch. So I think he cuts himself. But the time between Davis being in position to catapult him and the speed that Dax can catapult himself into it... The blood has already formed. Especially it doesn't help that he's got a bald head. Yeah. So we can't hide it at all either. And the cut looks nasty as fuck. I always hate it when... It's always made when me see like bald people bleeding. And they've got... There's a huge splat of it on the back of their head sometimes. Yeah
1: yeah there's a one point where he's being pinned and the pool the blood pooling so quickly on the new japan logo you're like Ooh.
0: and again i that no one can explain to me in commentary and i couldn't figure it out what it was that happened to mark davis to make him bleed towards the end of the they
1: match. they said it was like a kick from cash but i'm like i'm sure it wasn't a kick
0: <laughs> i mean it can happen so yeah i mean it's following a formula but to be fair ftr's all about the formula but it's also like it's the modern formula, so they're not that much of a throwback. And also, I get the feeling that this... I mean, I don't I don't watch a lot of New Japan IWGB tag team title matches, but I don't think that this is the sort of tag team wrestling that Red Shoes is used to. Because mm. there were moments in this match I think Red Shoes was a bit... Well, there was a really great moment when he started to do the counts... And then Dax just rolls in to break the crowd. So Red Shoes has got a oh, don't you, don't ah, oh, you.
1: My, I have a different favourite Red Shoes moment in this match. It's during one of those strike exchanges, and he's and as it gets faster, it looks like a, a dog watching tennis. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then my my simpsons addled brain immediately kicked in, and I just thought of Homer. Uh, in the Bart versus Australia episode. America! Australia! America! Australia!
0: <laughs> and in Japan, they don't tolerate this kind of nonsense in their tag team wrestling, I think. Although, again, Red Shoes does a great little sell of when cash is desperately reaching for the tag he's literally like the gap between the hands that's really good yeah he's really good there
1: and timing wise for him to not see the incident with the belt not a belt shot more like someone being accidentally sprung into the belt so that it wasn't full-fledged cheating it was just it's like bent when ben stokes had the ball thrown at him in the cricket final and he accidentally hit it to the boundary it's just one of them things it just happens
0: but the one that didn't work was it was the spot towards the end where cash hits i think it's kyle with a top rope crossbody and dax then does like a slingshot power bomb on davis yeah and during that time cash is covering kyle and red shoes doesn't quite know what to do because i don't think they're the legal men in the ring but he's like he's doing a pin so i guess i've got a count and he goes one two, and in that moment, Dax gets him into the powerbomb, and then he signals that he's doing a double count, because he's slapping both hands, which has always been a spot I've never liked, but that's what it is. And so, technically, Cash got a four count on Kyle Fletcher. But
1: wasn't the legal man.
0: (laughs) Yes, but Renshees was counting it as well, that's my point.
1: Yeah, and that's where it becomes messy, like you say.
0: That was what was bothering me.
1: I do like... The finisher protection, I'm a little bit of a stickler for finisher protection these days, because so many finishers are kicked out of. The fact that Aussie Open didn't get to hit Coriolis, I was quite happy with. And even though they did hit a finisher, because it wasn't their finisher, it didn't quite work.
0: Oh, when they hit the big rig? Yeah. Well, what works with that, though, is that the FTRs protect that finisher as well, because it is broken up. But I, again, love the creativeness of it, so... It's always now that they run interference to block someone from breaking the pin. So instead, what Cash does is shove.
1: He yeets him. Not shoves. Shoves his That's an undersell. He yeets him into that pin. Fletcher
0: So Fletcher breaks up his, t- his own team's pin. Yeah. But that was really well done. They do the big epic drama moment, which is what you need in wrestling now. Where they do the double sharpshooter spots. Mm. And Davis is about to tap and Kyle... Grabs his hand and in a... Because this was the day that they'd announced Inoki's passing, maybe. It was like doing a bit of an Inoki instilling fighting spirit back into Mark by slapping Slapping face the crap out of him. So that they both power out of the move. Yeah. And again, another another sign of like... There's no real heel in this match. It's just basically this idea of like this ultimate display of two top teams going at it.
1: And I want to take this moment, because it's one of the moaning moments, little moments I realised it, to shout out Great O'Khan as a second. (laughs) His towel fanning work is phenomenal. But in that moment, (laughs) it's not just the slapping, because he he goes straight towards the ropes where Great O'Khan is, and he's like, come on, lad, you can do it. Come here, come here.
0: That's his years of young lion training coming to pay off. Yeah, I like, I really rate the great Okan as as a second. He's not quite Gato esque,
1: but he's really good.
0: Another thing I wasn't that crazy about in the strike exchange, and I get why they're doing it because it's again, it's that emphasis of what it is to be a true team is you fight together, you work together, and you do the almost the same move. So the strike exchanges are literally mirroring each other. That, to me, takes out the reality of what the strike exchange is supposed to be, almost. And it's a little bit awkward, because they tried to do this in stereo, and, like, Cash is doing elbows back, but Dax isn't, and they it was, like, not quite working for me. Yeah. And then they get thrown into the ropes, and because Dax knows he's a bit behind, Cash, he's got to slow down even more, because if you just run into the ropes, lean into the ropes, when someone else has leaned into them, there's nowhere to lean. So you've got to wait for them to kind of bounce back. Because I remember that happened at the start of the Edge and Christian Hardy boys match at No Mercy 99, where they both yeah. get thrown into the ropes. Jeff hits the ropes like a split second before Matt does. So Matt almost like breaks his neck because there's no rope to bounce off of. Yeah.
1: There's a moment when they're doing that really tired double one in the ring, where da- I think either Dax genuinely does like slip or goes to a knee to sell, and Cash doesn't at first, but obviously, the Aussie Open are both waiting to for to, to be hit, so Cash realises, and then goes, oh, I've got to go down to a knee as well, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's just those little things, and that's just nitpicking, but you're trying to show that you're perfect at the genre, so I'm going to pick nits, because when you don't do a single mistake, which I don't recall them doing in the, the first Briscoes match at least, mm. and also in the second, there wasn't much in the way, well, there was some awkward bumps from moves like I think Dax nearly breaks his neck at one point but yeah that's wrestling for (laughs) you but they execute so many moves so well I mean that's one of the things that's the great inspiration of Bret Hart in FTR is that they know that like what Bret did was excellence in execution and FTR truly are two of the best executors of moves There are in wrestling right now. Yeah. They put that extra stank on it that sometimes in the indie world you don't do. So when they fall into some of the more indie cliches, especially in that second half straight, I'm kind of like, I wish you were more of a throwback than you even are. Yeah, Um, but But I know what it is. You've got to appeal to the modern fan, you've got to give them something to champ fight forever, and this is awesome and all the other things. And
1: you do have to plug into other people's style a bit.
0: A little bit, but why can't they plug into your style? Especially if you're the top guys. You're the draws there. I would assume FTR, if if someone's going to lead the match where it's going to go, who gets to call it, it will be FTR over Aussie Open. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. But um, I did think they really... The finish was so well done. Because it was about that finding the opening. Mm. And having that short amount of time. So when they send Fletcher into the outside the ring, and they run... Davis across the ropes. It's not just immediately into it, which is often what they'll get, especially when it was the old Dudley Boys thing. They both know this is our chance, but they have to find the things they're doing drop downs. I always love it when like they go back to something like fundamental and basic, and that's something you get in the first minute of a match, Mm. but not necessarily in the thirtieth minute of the match, which is where we go here. And so, after Davis runs the ropes like once or twice. That's when they're finally in the position to give him the big ring because the yeah. whole crowd knows it's coming, but they're just wondering when. So they're teasing him and teasing him, and then they hit it. The only other issue I have, I suppose, in that is like it's the, it's the rules of running the ropes, and like, is he just going to go, in, you know, in constant motion if nothing else has happened? That's that's
1: just wrestling Irish rules, though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but when you look at how how brilliantly Buddy Rogers did make running the ropes look like it was something that was against his own body. Mm -hmm. They wasn't trying to, he was just trying to, it's like getting out of a moving car. Like that's the way that the moment was running. And that was not how Mark Davis was running. That's not how anyone runs the ropes for the past 50 years of wrestling. Yeah. But it's just, you know, again, it's like we've suspended our disbelief. So again, nitpicking and it's very clever how they do it. But just when I look at that and then I just remember first seeing how Buddy Rogers made that work. 50, 60 years ago. I kind of wish some of that logic still existed sometimes. I, I, <laughs> Especially yeah. since we watched the Inoki Billy Robinson match as well quite recently. Yeah. But also sort of still had that Fez logic to it. Mm. But maybe we wouldn't get 2,500 people in an arena in the UK to see an American team wrestle an Australian team for a Japanese title and a Japanese promotion without wrestling evolving to appeal to that kind of audience in 2022. Exactly, they wouldn't probably go to see Luthers v. Buddy Rogers in twenty twenty two. No, in no, days. and
1: also they get with the UFC existing now to the extent that it does, they kind of get that mm. in that it's its own thing. It lives separately mm. now.
0: Well, I mean, I definitely think we need to do that run of episodes, match of the weeks, where we talk about shoot fighting and an MMA and the and the overlap. Just let's just get it all out of your system so in <laughs> one month
1: look I, I i'm look I'm willing to give it another try one of the reasons we initially started both the five star refund and the match of the week project was to for me was to broaden the palette so
0: and for me it was to lecture you
1: <laughs> so I'd be hypocritical if I wasn't you know willing to give more things more chances so.
0: Okay. Well, we gave this match half an hour and we greatly enjoyed it, but Simon, did you enjoy it to the extent of giving it five stars?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did.
0: I wouldn't quite go there. I would probably go four and a quarter. Mm. I thought it was good, but it worked within the cliche, so it wasn't giving us anything exciting. I, I just think FTR have done better versions of this match, cleverer versions of this match, and ones with less, like, just little niggling problems like the blading. It's a lot of fun yeah it's a four and a quarter that's close to four and a half than it is four you know Mm. but i I, it didn't quite reach those standards for me yeah but i did greatly enjoy it and i look forward to those two teams wrestling each other again maybe at wrestle kingdom for all we know we never know because the tag league is going to take place soon yeah i I would assume Aussie open are going to be involved
1: because they missed out on their first their first chance because of the injury to Davis.
0: FTR don't win the AEW tag team titles. That could be a good way of writing them out for a, for three to four weeks to have them go to New Japan to try and. Well,
1: they have to defend their contendership first. There could be a way around that.
0: Yeah, well, and it, and it
1: makes sense that they lot they lose that in a dirty fashion, considering they're
0: against Sneaky Swerve. And big or that could be them beating the swerve in our glory and that leading to the downfall of that team. But that's stuff that the listeners will already know by the time this episode comes out. But what they may not know, if this is the first episode they've listened to, is how they can get in touch with you, Simon, to talk more about tag team wrestling and the IWGP tag team titles and matches that you should seek out of Tenzen and Kojima or nakamura and tanahashi or whatever else they can do simon how can they get in touch with you
1: they can get in touch with me on twitter where i'm so known as simon cross free that is one more than the digs lorkan made towards our foam secretary in this uh i don't
0: know what you're talking about my name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A at the start of Aussie, N for the N at the end of Open. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, if you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtwisepod at gmail.com. LMTyspod is also on Twitter and Facebook handles. As we said at the start of this episode, there were two matches in the latest edition of The Observer that Dave Meltzer gave five stars. It won't be the latest one by the time this next episode comes out but it'll be the latest for us at the time of this recording. Simon, what will people be hearing us debate and discuss next week?
1: In our homage to a type of battery, we are going to Triplier. That, that, that's a terrible joke, but I stand by it. We are going to Triplier and Triple mania one of the many Triple manias that exist now due to the way that they they do them. And we are looking at a match between Rey Fenix and Alhijo del Vikingo.
0: For the Tripler Mega Championship
1: mega championship
0: but not the omega championship anymore
1: notably
0: but until then there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen
1: and my name's Simon Cross
0: thank you for letting us tell you something have a five star time until the next time
1: I got to plan to make you a star Make you feel like you make a bus Right ideas and a fast hill too Make you feel like you got feet feel of glue Shining stars